If you would, go ahead and be seated. You're welcome to remove your masks uh, while I'm preaching this morning. We are, we're talking about what God can do, and God can do and is doing great things. Uh, this year, 2020, the crazy, the crazy year 2020 that we, I don't think, will forget, uh, we, we've been saying, come see what God can do. This is the year that, that as we prayed and, and prepared and said, okay, God, what do you want to do this year in Living Hope? We sensed that, that God was saying, hey, look for what I can do. And, and, and invite your city, invite the membership of Living Hope to come see what God can do. And God can change lives. God has the power and He is changing lives. He's bringing healing and wholeness in relationships. And, and we're seeing the difference that, that God makes. And that's what we're talking about in this current series. We're talking about how God makes such a significant difference. It's the difference between having sunshine and not. And ooh, isn't it good to have that sunshine today? Can we give God an amen for some sunshine? This is not September, but oh, it feels like it is. This is so good. God is so good. But the, the sunshine, what does it bring? It brings light and life and warmth. And that's what God brings. And without God, there, there is no light and life and warmth. And that's the difference that God makes. And it's so crucial that we as Christians understand the difference that God makes, not only so that we can be looking for it, but so that we can join in in what God is doing in the world. So what we're going to study today, what we're going to look at today, is the difference that God makes through His church. God, God, before the foundation of the world, before time and space existed, had a single plan, and that was to redeem a people for himself, his church, for his glory. To love us, to make us his own, to bring us into a fellowship with him. And that's what the church, capital C church is. And every local church, lower C, like living hope, we're just an expression of the entirety of the church. It's like, it's like in your family. In your family, there are different personalities, different people, different uh, focus you know, that they have with their lives. And that's how God is with us. Every church is a unique expression of the whole. And so every church has a unique purpose, a unique personality, a unique way of being. And, and, and this, is, this is how God has chosen to change the world, to bring light and life and warmth and love into the world. It's through the church. Please understand, there is no plan B. We are God's plan. And we each have a responsibility. If you are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, you belong in a local church family. And if you're not a member of a local church, you need to join this church for now until God shows you another place for you to be. Now, we're going to have a membership class two weeks from today. And you can go ahead and get signed up for that. You can do it while, while I'm talking right now. I won't even be offended. You can, you can go to our website, livehopeful.com, click on events, and you'll see a, 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 an icon that says Discovering Hope. Click on there and, and get registered and know what you're going to be doing. You're going to be watching some videos before or after. And uh, on the 22nd, two weeks from today at 11 o'clock, you're going to meet with others who are pursuing membership. And God's going to bless you in it. Understand, every Christian is expected by God, according to his word, to be an active member of a local church. And, and this is our joy. And it's, and it's a blessing that we bring 
And the blessing we bring is this, friends. Whenever a society is filled with healthy local churches, that society is filled with light and life and warmth. Where the church is lacking, the society lacks. And it's crucial. So it is crucial, not only for God's glory, not only for our blessing, but so that, so that the world can be transformed. We have a responsibility to be a part of what God is doing, to be active members of a local church. There is nothing like the local church. It, it, to me, it's, it's, it, it's like a basketball team. You know, th- there's different sports, you know, like soccer. Soccer is a player sport. I don't even know what coaches do, honestly. I mean, they, it's chaos out there. I mean, they, I guess they put the line up and they tell people basically where to be. And then they sit down because where's that ball going to go? The coach said, no, it's crazy. It's anarchy. It's European. <laughs> football, football's American. I don't mean football. I mean football. Football. Now that's a coach's sport. That, that's for control freaks like Americans, Right. We want to be in control of everything. You know, coaches of football teams, they're in control of everything. I don't know if you know this, but every football play is approximately six seconds. I know those games are long, but each play is approximately six seconds. And do you know, on the offensive side, every, every step, every at least first three steps of every single player on that field is determined by their coach. He calls a play, and, and next time you're watching a football game... Know that every time that ball is snapped, the first three steps of every single player on the offensive side of the ball was determined by the coach. There, was no, there were no options or it's gonna, the play's going to fail. And when plays fail, it's often because someone took a wrong step. Now, basketball is different. It's a hybrid. So what you have is you have a coach that gives plays and the players are to run those plays and there's, but there's some freedom in that because there's always something unique that's happening but the coach is right there and, and there, there's always an expectation that the players are gonna do what the, what the coach commands but the players have to make the choices and there's a flow to it. You know, being a Christian is like being on a basketball team and, and having God in our lives is like having the greatest coach of all time. You know, there have been some great basketball coaches in, in the history of the sport, Adolph Rupp, John Wooden, Mike Krzyzewski, uh, Pat Summit, Bobby Knight, Jason Pettis, Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, Dean Smith. I mean, some great ones. I mean, some, some flat out good ones. Uh, but you know, there's, the, the greatest coach that's ever lived is Jesus Christ. You know what makes a great coach? A great coach is able to bring together a team, players with different abilities, and then Form them in such a way that each, each member of the team can maximize their ability. See, and that's what God does with the church through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is our coach and we are to obey his commands. Here's the playbook. And what we're to do is to acknowledge his power and presence in our lives. And as we live out our unique roles and we're all different You have different natural abilities. You have different spiritual abilities. And and when God brings us together as a local church family, and we're each one being fully committed to what God has called us to do and be, it's a beautiful thing. And what I love about being a Christian, what no sport and no, no anything else in all creation can do is that 
is that God lives through us. It's not just that God's on the sideline yelling at us, telling us to do better, telling us to do to what we're supposed to do. He lives by the power of his Holy Spirit through us. And he is at work in our midst as we, as we submit ourselves to him and his power. Friends, God is at work through his church. God is at work through this church. Now, how is he at work? What should we anticipate? What should we expect? What should we be doing in light of what what God is doing and and the way God is choosing to work through his church? That's what we're going to see in our text today. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to be in verses 10 through 12. Now, let me warn you, we're we're picking up mid-sentence. Let me tell you why. Because if we had started this sermon in verse 7, we would have never gotten to verse 10. The, 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 the preaching team, when we started preparing on Monday, you wouldn't believe the whining of these preachers. Why can't we start at verse 7? And I said to them, I'm saying, no, because we never would have made it to verse 10. So we're going to start in verse 10, and we're going to give a little background in verse 7. So let's all stand together in honor of God's word. We're in, again, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he, that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. If you would be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. Now, let's get the context. Paul is talking about the church, but he begins by talking about himself and his place in it. And so what we see in verse 7 is is Paul talking about his calling in Christ. I was made a minister. Every Christian has a unique calling. Every, everyone is not called to be a minister. I was called at the time of my salvation to be a pastor. That was actually part of the reason why it took me so long to submit my life to Jesus Christ and be saved, because I didn't want to be a pastor. Everything I knew about pastors was not something that I felt cut out to be, and it wasn't even something I wanted to be. And, and so it took me a while to accept my calling. Every Christian has a unique calling. It may, it may manifest itself in so many different ways. It may manifest itself in your vocation, what you do for work. It may manifest in your role in your home, in your neighborhood. The, the calling of, of God on our lives is, is powerful and it's real. And so the apostle says, I was made a minister. And we see in verse 8, the purpose, Paul's purpose in Christ. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so the apostle understood that his unique calling was not just to be a minister, but, but to be a minister in Gentiles. And this needs to be a reminder to us all that what God calls us to might often surprise us and the people around us. Remember, the apostle Paul was a Jew of Jews, as they say in Philippians 1. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews of the tribes of Benjamin. He was trained to be a Pharisee. The last thing anyone ever would have assumed is that the apostle Paul would leave Jerusalem and go serve the Gentiles. Made no sense to anyone, I'm sure, who knew the apostle, but it made sense to God. Because only someone who had studied the Old Testament and knew the law the way he did could have written the book of Romans the book of Ephesians we're studying now, God knew what he was doing. And here's what you need to know about you. God knows what he's doing. What he's called you to, there's a purpose in it. 
And you need to have the same passion. All Christians have the passion. Verse uh, 9, yes, that the apostle had. What's the passion? It's a passion for Christ to bring to light for everyone what is, in the, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Our passion is to bring to light the gospel of God. Do you know how badly the Old Testament people, writers in particular, wanted to know what we know now? Do you know that the angels were astonished at the coming of Jesus Christ? That what we have is amazing. What we know of God is, is truly wonderful. And it's been revealed. And the apostle was a part of that. And so are we. We're to bring this to light. Know that every one of us, we have a personal calling. We have a purpose. And there's to be this passion that we reveal the goodness and greatness of God. Uh, we talked about last week about what it means to be the church. To, to be the church is to be God's called people, to be on his team using our gifts and abilities for God's glory. What does that look like? Well, 1 Corinthians 12, again, just as review from last week, we understand all these are empowered by one and the same spirit. That's individual Christians called into a local expression, a local church. All of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Each one has natural abilities nat and spiritual gifts. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So yes, we're all different. Yes, some of us are like an eye, some of us are like a mouth, some of us are like a foot. All of us are different, but we form, by the power of God, a single body. And, and what's that body to do? How are we to be recognized? Look what Jesus said in John 13, 35. How will the world know who we are? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We are to love one another. We are to be known as people who love, who use our natural and spiritual gifts to love and to serve Christ by serving one another. And as we do that, we will be light and life and warmth into the world as ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Guys, what we're going to see in the text today is what happens when God works through his church. There's two things I would encourage you to take note of as we look at this text. And the first is this. Through his church, God's wisdom is revealed. God's wisdom. Now, I, wanna, I want you to notice a few things uh, before we get to this, this, this whole idea of God's wisdom. First of all, note, it's through the church. Through, look at the right there, verse 10. So that through the church, it's not a single individual that, that wisdom is revealed. You know, it's often said there is no I in team. There's also no I in church. It takes all of us. It takes all of us being who Christ died for us to be. And what's amazing is through the church, we experience so much more of who God is. You know, right now, I love this. Right now, over in the preschool area, I'm so excited to have those preschoolers in there. I went over there just a minute ago. Uh, after the, while the singing started, I just wanted to see how things were going. There was laughter. 
I love it. Our volunteers were just laughing and they were having so much fun serving these precious little children. And they're, they're loving it. And you know what I love that's happening for these little children? Is that as they grow up in this church family, they're going to be servants of the church who say, my calling in Christ is to serve kids and to mentor them and to love them. And, and those children are, are going to be mentored by members of the church. And then they're going to come in here and hear the, the, the word preached by, by me or one of our pastors. And then they're going to they're go home and then their parents are going to talk about the word of God and share their testimony of faith. And this child is going to be mentored by, by leaders in the church, hear the preaching of God through pastors of the church and, and, and see the living out of the faith through parents all members of the church, we experience more through the church. And we do more. You see, our, our work is exponential. See, what you can do, I cannot do. You know, it's so funny. I, I thought about doing this this morning, but I, I wanted people to come back to church next week. I thought about just picking one of you at random and coming up and handing you my text and say, hey, finish this sermon for me real quick. Now, how do you think that'd go over? Not well. Yeah, because for some of you, what I'm doing right now terrifies you. But you know what? What, you, what some of you do terrifies me. Some of you school teachers, you are my hero. I mean, to go and to, and to, to talk with children, that's scary. Adults will pretend like you're good. Children will just flat out tell you, you're no good at this. They're very honest people. It terrifies me. Some of you, what you do in your industry, what you do in your home, the challenges you have to face because of your health or, or because of things that have happened in your life. Friends, you're amazing in Christ. And, and what you're able to do, I cannot do. And what, what I'm called to do, most of you can't do. And that's okay because when we're all doing what God's called us to do, it flat out gets done. And it's beautiful. And, and as we give financially, we give more as we give together. And it's through the church all of us experiencing more, doing more, giving more, that the manifold wisdom of God is made known. Now, I want you to see what kind of wisdom this is. There's an important word there in front of it, manifold. Uh, manifold, the, the word literally means taking various forms or of many different kinds. The, the wisdom of God is beyond creation's capacity. It, it, it cannot be understood, it cannot be contained by creation. The wisdom of God is anything beyond what even we can comprehend. God knows all things, and by his might and for his glory, he is accomplishing an eternal plan that was determined before time and space and is now being revealed in time and space. This manifold wisdom comes from an eternal God that is beyond what we can comprehend. And so there's so many facets to his wisdom. It goes beyond our senses and even our capacity. This manifold wisdom, look, it's being made known. And this is, this is a little scary. It's being made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, not just human beings. Friends, there's, there's so much more going on in our world right now than what we know and see. There's a spiritual reality right now there are angelic forces at work. And some of them are servants of God. They are ministering spirits. They are angels. Some of them are demons. And a lot of people get confused about this. They, they think that, that, that evil is as strong as good. It's not. Our God is good and holy and right. And he's all powerful. Now there is evil in the world. 
And that evil does have power, but it is no comparison to the power of God. The question is often asked, well, where does evil come from? Well, it comes from the will of angels that decided they didn't want to serve God. See, God, in in his uh, omniscient power and sovereign care, created those who could choose. And there were angels that chose that they did not want to worship the one true God. We read about this in the Bible. What happened? Well, in Luke 10, 18, here's what Jesus said he saw. This is, this is amazing. This will get your eyes kind of opened a little bit. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, when did that happen? Well, it was sometime in the midst of early creation. We don't know exactly when. But we do know there were angelic hosts, and we also know that there was an earth. So how do we know that? Well, Revelation 12, beginning of verse 7. Now war arose in heaven. Michael, that is a faithful angel of God, and his angels fighting against the dragon, that is the devil. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. There is no place for sin in heaven. Only righteousness and holiness. And only those who are saved by grace through faith in Christ receive the imputed righteousness of Christ so that we can have access to heaven. But he, the devil, was defeated, and there was no longer any place for him in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. We later read that it was a third of the angels that became demons. Now, what is Satan doing? He's tempting and accusing us. Revelation 12, beginning in verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser, that is the devil and the demons of our brothers, has been thrown down. What's he doing right now? Who accuses them day and night before our God. Here's what you can know right now. The devil is accusing you of sin. When Satan tempts you to despair and he calls to mind all the sin that's within Here's what you need to do, those of you who believe in Jesus. You tell that devil, you don't know the half of it. I'm far greater sinner than you even know. But I am far more loved by my God than you can ever imagine. And the cross of Jesus Christ has washed away my sin. And now I stand right with God and you are accursed. That's what you remember. Give God praise for that. Go ahead, give him praise. And so how will we overcome and they have, over, they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. So the times are going to get more and more evil. There will be more and more of the wrath of the evil one because he knows his time is short. Christ is coming. He's coming sooner today than yesterday. Do you know that? And the devil knows it too. So what's going to happen? This is a long section of scripture. I'm going to read it, and I just want you to just soak it in, okay? Soak this in. One day Satan will be cast into hell, along with all who stand in opposition to Jesus. Revelation 20, 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sieve gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there And the sea was no more, no more chaos. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. This is the manifold wisdom of God. This is the mystery of God. He has an eternal plan. The story has been written. It's going to be accomplished. What I just read for you, it's going to be done. And and there's no stopping God. He has the power. He's working his plan. And we can be a part of it or we can stand in opposition to it. And in opposition to it, we will be crushed in his wrath. But the grace of God and the love of God calls us to himself, calls us to believe, calls us to live for for his victory, in his victory, for his glory. And this, my friends, this is the joy of the church. As we live out God's word, we are revealing the manifold wisdom of God. Every time a sinner is saved, the manifold wisdom of God is made known. Every time a saint rejects sin and chooses to walk in obedience to God's word, no matter what it may cost them, the manifold wisdom of God is made known. Every time a marriage is healed, a a relationship is reformed, it reveals the manifold wisdom of God that is through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the angels are in awe and the devils shudder. And that happens through the local church. You and me. Us. And this is the purpose of God, so write it down. Through his church, God's purpose is accomplished. As we lean into and make known the manifold wisdom of God, we experience, look what the text says, the eternal purpose that was realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. This salvation, God's purpose, from from before, I said this at the beginning, before the foundation of the world, before there was time and space, God's will, his purpose was to save a people for himself, for his eternal glory. That's God's purpose. To save a people for himself, for his eternal glory. And when we experience the salvation, we are changed. Look what we gain. Look at the text. Look what it says. We have boldness through our faith in him. I love this word boldness. The word uh, is the Greek word uh, uh, Parousia, it, it comes from uh, two words, pas, which means all, and risis, which means to tell it. So boldness literally means to tell it all. And that's what we are called to in Christ, boldness, to tell it all. We're to be like children. You know what's scary about children? They tell it all. Those of you who have preschoolers in the nursery right now, they're telling it. They're telling it all. You know, I heard a story about a, a guy uh, who was a professional, but he didn't work a lot with children. And he had a presentation uh, that someone thought would be compelling for kids. And so he went to the school and he, he taught his, his information, but then he made a fatal mistake. 
at the end of it, he said, okay, boys and girls, are there any questions or comments? That's when everyone knew this guy has no clue what he's doing. Because all of a sudden, these children with boldness who tell it all began to ask him, why are you overweight? Why don't your, why don't your socks match? Why does your breath smell so bad? Questions that had nothing to do with what he was hoping for. Comments about what they were going to get for Christmas, about what their pu- puppy did, uh, uh, about what Johnny smells like, and, and all the other things had nothing to do with anything that was just presented. You know why? Because children don't care. They're just bold. They just tell it all. And you know what we are free to do in Christ Jesus? Tell it all. You know what I love about being a Christian? Is that when the world judges me, I can say, friends, you don't know the half of it. You know, I don't have to hide. Here's what you can know for certain about me. I'm a sinner saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. I fight against sin every single day. Romans 7, 15, I'm just like Paul. That which I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing, and I hate it. But it's Christ in me that hates it. And what I am becoming, I don't yet know, but I know it's better than what I was. And and what the Lord has prepared for me, it's beyond what any of us could explain. And, And so here's what we have in Christ Jesus, freedom. Freedom to know we're not perfect, that we're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, not because we're good, but because he is because God is so good that we are bold and we can tell it all. We are bold and we have access with confidence through our faith in him. We have access to the Father. We looked at this last week in Ephesians 2.18. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. That's by grace. Every one of us in this room has sinned. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Have you been saved? Has your sin been forgiven? There's only one way it can be forgiven. And that is if you repent. God's design is perfection and harmony. Sin has entered our lives in the world and that's where the brokenness and the pain comes from. We can repent of that sin that causes the brokenness. We can believe that Jesus Christ paid for our sin with his blood, that he's alive, and his life in us enables us to pursue and recover God's design. I must ask you, are you saved? And if you're saved, are you living like it? Are you an active member in the local church? Are you being faithful? Let's bow our heads together. Father God, I can't help but know in a crowd this size and many who are listening online right now that there are probably some who are not saved. Some who see themselves as good people, nice people. But Father God, even the devil pretends to be nice when he gets what he wants out of it. So Lord, I pray right now that you would move on some lives. And and Father, I pray right now that some would be saved. So right there with your head bowed, your eyes closed, let me ask you. Have you repented of your sin? Have you trusted in Christ? Are you on God's team? Or are you standing in opposition to God? Friends, you're going to lose. Here's what I advise you to do right now. Believe. Repent of your sin. Tell God right now. He knows your heart. He hears your heart. Right now, tell him the truth. Tell him that you've sinned. Tell him the truth. Tell him that Jesus has died for your sin. 
and tell, tell him the truth. Tell him that you're going to love him and live for him the rest of your life. And make sure you tell someone else so that we can baptize you very soon. Now, many of you have prayed that prayer right there with your head bowed and your, and your eyes closed. Ask the Holy Spirit right now. Say, Holy Spirit, am I being faithful to the church? Am I an active member? Or do I just show up when it's convenient, give when I have left over? Is it about me or is it really about you? And friends, if you need to repent, repent. Some of you are not members of a local church. You need to join ours. Go ahead right now and tell Jesus, I commit to joining your church. And Father, as your people saved by your grace, we pray for an awakening. We pray that you would revive us and other Bible-believing churches that hold to the cross of Christ and that, God, you would use us to make disciples and that there would be such an unbelievable, powerful movement of your spirit that it's undeniably you and it will be for your glory and our blessing. God, we ask you for this miracle because we know it's a small thing to you, but we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've not yet joined the church, here's what you need to do. Go to the website, livehopeful.com, click on the events tab, and then click the icon that says Discovering Hope. And two weeks from Sunday at 11 o'clock, go to the class. It's going to be a lot of fun. They're going to give you some work to do. It's going to help you spiritually. God wants to do this work in us. We've got to join him. If you don't have, you know, access to the internet or, or if websites are confusing to you like they are to me, just email info at lhbg.org and type in the word membership and someone will contact you this week and they'll walk you through it as they often have to walk me through these, these things. Friends, I'm glad you're here. If you don't mind, slip on your mask and let me, let me bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace. The Lord be with you.